Welcome to this Wednesday episode of Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry. And I am a bit at a loss here today. Let me give you a little bit of background. You know how uh, producer Amy and I and the rest of the team prepare each day's program. Yesterday, we knew that in the evening we would be treated to a presidential debate. And so as we prepared to, uh, to present today's program before the debate, we thought, well, we know that Chris Wallace, along with the Commission on Presidential Debates, has uh, telegraphed. They've made it known what topics will be covered during the debate. And so uh, what we wanted to do was not necessarily dive into uh, a question of who won or who lost, what were the gaffes, uh, what were the gotchas, but rather we would prearrange experts in the various fields of topics that were announced ahead of time. And so we had someone uh, lined up to talk to us about COVID-19 because, well, that was one of the topics uh, that was announced by Chris Wallace. Uh, We had someone lined up to talk about election integrity because, well, that was one of the topics that was announced by Chris Wallace. We had all sorts of experts. We had an economist. We had some professors all lined up. And, uh, and I was very much looking forward to a deep dive into the issues. I think that, in terms of you know the voters' perspective, my, my perspective, I think that is what the most valuable aspect of a debate can be. And I wanted to highlight that, and I wanted this program to serve as a way to amplify what was communicated during the, the debate last night. Well... <laughs> Then the debate kicked off, and I don't think it was 10 minutes into the deal when I realized, no, no, we're going to have to throw that plan out the window because there is no substance here. There is no deep dive into the issues going on here. There, there is no something that warrants us to, to bring in experts. It would be unfair to them. Uh, imagine asking a, a, a smart, learned, world-traveled, experienced Ph.D. type uh, to come on the program to talk economics— and to somehow extract from what was spewed out yesterday and deliver some sort of analysis. It would be disrespectful to expect that of someone because none of it was present. And as I was repeatedly reminded of the lack of substance in last night's debate and uh, what it descended into, I I was left saddened. And ultimately, it ends up uh, leaving me feeling (laughs) the need to apologize to a few people. Uh, In particular, uh, Spencer Cox and Chris Peterson and Doug Wright. Why? Uh, Well, because as you know, before yesterday's presidential debate, there was the gubernatorial debate. Spencer Cox, uh, the Republican, was on the debate stage, actually here in a television uh, studio uh, just adjacent to KSL News Radio. Our our partner, KSL Television, lent out uh, their studio, and so there the candidates got together. The great Doug Wright, who we spoke to just yesterday, he moderated. And as I was watching, I thought, wow, this is very buttoned up. This is is flawless. They're going to hit the the clock. They're going to get through all the questions. Everything's going to be great. And I said, where's the flare and where's the fire? I caught myself thinking that. I thought, you know what, maybe some gotchas and some excitement and some fire. Well, be careful what you wish for. Because, again, I don't think it was 10 minutes into the presidential debate of yesterday that I realized, oh, my gosh, we, we, we were just treated to exactly what a debate should be in the form of the gubernatorial debate. 
we're not going to spend much time jumping into the, the substance of the gubernatorial debate. I want to instead extend to you an invitation. If you would make your way over to uh, my Facebook page, it's Lee Lonsberry. You see the live mic logo there. What I've done there is I've posted the entire gubernatorial debate, which took place just last night. That's an incredibly important decision, and it, uh, it kind of breaks my heart a bit that the, the presidential debate is overshadowing uh, what took place on the gubernatorial debate stage uh, because it was, it was wonderful. What, and so I, I want you to watch that in its entirety. If you missed it, uh, if you saw it, you know what I'm talking about, uh, right? They were on the issues the entire time talking about what matters uh, to Utahns. If you did miss it, uh, I, I insist you, you give it a shot uh, and, and give it a watch there at my Facebook page. What I was struck by is uh, comparing and contrasting the form which the gubernatorial debate took yesterday as you compare it to the way the presidents took the presidential candidates took to the stage. I want you to hear just a few samples uh, from the gubernatorial debate. Uh, again, last night, originating from KSL Television Studios here downtown Salt Lake City, uh, the debate between Lieutenant Governor Spencer Cox and Chris Peterson, moderated by Doug Wright. Uh, and for the first question, both candidates uh, for governor uh, were asked, uh, to, to, to introduce themselves. And there were some, some back and forth. I want you to hear uh, how some of this back and forth played out. I'm going to give you some examples here, uh, starting with this one. You've got to have the best available technology and use and, and provide it in, in, a, in a cost-effective, transparent uh, uh, way. And uh, now to our Lieutenant Governor, Spencer Cox, the same question from our student at UVU. Well, first of all, I, I want to thank Preston for that question, because the, the very fact that you're asking that question makes me know that you know how important it is to wear masks. All right. Did you hear that? D- don't worry about the, the issue of masks or, or the substance of it, but pay attention and look at the form. Right. A question was asked of one candidate. That candidate uh, delivered a response. The moderator, Doug Wright, in this case, was able to uh, then you know, pose the question to the other candidate, and a response was given. And what we learned from that was exactly where these two candidates stand. Now, it, it pains me to have to highlight this, and it pains me to have to point this out as an oddity of yesterday, that it is, in fact, possible for, for candidates to respectfully take to the debate stage and effectively communicate their positions. And uh, if there are ever any questions of time for them to recognize that uh, and defer to, uh, you know, the rules of the debate. Listen to this. As is uh, as is Utah County. And I thought I had two minutes, but it looks like my time's up, Doug. So I'm going to stop. Yeah, there. It, it was a one minute. OK, it started I... at two minutes. So <laughs> I, I apologize. I would have wound that up sooner. I didn't get my final in, but we'll go ahead. No problem. And uh, Chris Peterson will give you just a little extra time on this. Well, uh, thank you, Doug. I, look, I, I called for a statewide mask mandate back in July. All right. Did you, did you hear that back and forth? There's a, a little bit of confusion over the clock. <laughs> there was a clock that was respected. A little bit of confusion over the clock. It was addressed, easily clarified, and an adjustment was made. Smooth. No problem. Two candidates, one moderator executed flawlessly. And how about, how about some respect between the candidates? Can I defer to Mr. Peterson? It's hard to respond to his arguments against me being on the so choose. Go ahead. If that's okay. Well, all right. Uh, yeah, sure. I'll go first. Look, first off, uh, it's not personal. Okay. I, I mean, I, I genuinely like the Lieutenant governor. I think he's a good guy and I think we'd be good friends, you know, in, in other, other walks of life. I, f- I feel like we're already kind of becoming that, or at least I hope for that to be the case. 
Fast forward one hour yesterday. Fast forward one hour ahead of that moment. You heard uh, you heard Professor Peterson uh, speak about Lieutenant Governor Cox in that fashion. And imagine, imagine, imagine even a modicum of that type of uh, respect and deference for one candidate to the other. We're, we're different here in Utah. We're different here in Utah. Spencer Cox responded to those comments. To get us through this crisis in the best way possible. And now your response. Yeah, no, I appreciate that, Mr. Peterson, and, and I think we are becoming friends. And by the way, whatever happens in the next hour is going to be completely bonkers compared to uh, what's happening right now. So, How about that prophecy? Quick break. When we return, we're going to dive into what was bonkers. That's ahead on Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry, and this is KSL News Radio. We got to adjust that sounder. We, we shouldn't be calling what happened last night a debate. It, it wasn't a debate, it was a disaster, it was an embarrassment. It was an unfortunate turn of events which left us uh, as Americans as the losers. We learned no more about our candidates, at least where they stand on in terms of uh, policy positions. Uh, we learned only that they uh, are unable to watch a clock, abide by rules, refrain from calling each other names. That's what we learned. The two frontrunners right now, the, the, the two, one of the two men who will be the next president of the United States uh, was up on stage last night, and neither one of them uh, was impressive. But let's go back a bit. You may have heard a report from ABC News yesterday. They had a conversation with Chris Christie. Now, where does Chris Christie factor in to all of this? Well, it turns out that Chris Christie was on the team that prepared the president for his debate performance of last night. So let me here play for you uh, just a quick a quick look into Chris Christie's uh, preparation, uh, or at least how he hoped the president would have behaved yesterday based on the preparations. What the president needs to do tonight is essentially two things. Um, the first is to lay out his vision um, for the next four years and what he wants to do for the American people if he's given a second term. And secondly, he has to differentiate what his vision is from Joe Biden's vision based upon their campaign and based upon Joe Biden's record. And I think you'll see both of those things happen tonight. Um, the president hasn't debated in four years, um, but I don't think he'll have any problem when he gets on the stage tonight. You think Chris Christie gets invited back for more debate preparation? Do you think that the president, President Trump, accomplished either of the two goals laid out there by Chris Christie last night uh, during the uh, quote unquote debate? No, I mean, either. I don't think so. It was disappointing. Absolutely disappointing. Whatever preparation went into uh, last night was either off the mark or ignored. There are those. This is a slight tangent. There are those who uh, have mused that maybe last night was all by design and that the outcome of yesterday was exactly uh, in line with the president, President Trump's objectives, that that constant pressure, the interruption, the the insults, that that was all in an effort to uh, to highlight the claims that many have leveled against uh, Joe Biden as being uh, a bit unprepared or having some sort of mental difficulties due to age or circumstance. And, well, if that were the case, uh, I don't think that that effort was successful. I think that if anyone won last night, and again, I'm not going to dive into this winners or losers. We uh, Americans, we were the losers. There were no winners. Well, actually, there may have been some. There may have been some winners. They may be our would-be adversaries uh, overseas. We'll get into that in just a moment. Uh, but one thing that we did observe, or that we were able to observe yesterday, 
is that that Joe Biden uh, can retain his mental faculties uh, in the the face of uh, you know chaos, which is what was going on last night. Now, uh, was he on message? Was he communicating his positions and his policies? No, not so much. He got into the name calling game himself, uh, and there you know were some problems on on both sides. Uh, but but we did not see uh, you know a total degradation of mental faculties as he has been accused of suffering from uh, by some. Anyway, with that said, as last night transpired, I got thinking about who who, who is in the audience. I, I sat there, I watched it with my wife. Luckily, uh, you heard me talking about it maybe being little baby Piper's first presidential debate. Luckily, she was in bed before before the, the presidential debate kicked off. So it was, uh, my wife and I were sitting there, and uh, I was head and hands most of the time thinking, oh my gosh, this is... Uh, this is just really, really something that's breaking my heart. And as I continued watching, I thought about uh, across our country and across the globe, who may also be watching? Who might be watching? What do other countries think as they see this display on the American presidential debate stage? And it reminded me, I got, I got thinking of a conversation I had uh, with John Huntsman Jr. This conversation goes all the way back uh, a few months ago, I think late May. Uh, John Huntsman Jr. and I, we were talking uh, about the formation of a, a task force, a task force in Congress uh, whose objective was to look at China, analyze the United States' relationship with China, and look for areas where we might bolster up our defenses uh, against potential uh, intrusions or attacks uh, by, by China. And what John Huntsman Jr. said that day was interesting. The makeup of this task force in Congress, it initially came from an invitation to both parties, both Democrats in Congress and Republicans. Ultimately, it was only Republicans that accepted the invitation and now comprise the task force. Uh, But John Huntsman, he said this as I discussed with him uh, the formation of that task force. A unified expression of Congress. That's the kind of thing that the Chinese fear. They fear us when we're unified and together. They don't fear us when we're divided because they figure that's never going to amount to very much at all. What was on display last night was nothing but division. And as China and other would-be adversaries watched on, there is no other reaction than to view now the United States as both uh, tactically disadvantaged, strategically uh, off our foot, and uh, simply weakened. Was there anything about last night that brought us together? Well, you know what? Maybe. Maybe our our collective frustration with what took place last night is what is now bringing us together. I can say I, I know, uh, you know you take my ideologies and you find someone on the far other end of the, the spectrum uh, with, with other ideologies. I've had conversations with those folks here this morning and last night, and we're pretty all well on the same page when it comes to uh, interpreting what happened last night uh, as nothing uh, but... But uh, injurious, something that harmed our country. And we need to heal. We need to heal because somehow uh, we do need to emerge on the other side of this. All right. We don't get to wipe away uh, the two candidates who are running for president right now. One of those two men will be the president. We need to find somehow a way to move on past last night uh, and try to get this all under control and be living in a world that uh, that makes us happy enough uh, here as Americans. Now, how, how is that possible? I'm not sure. The, the Commission on Presidential Debates has released a statement. There will be some alterations. 
amendments to subsequent debates. I'll share those. Uh, I'll share some of those alterations with you next. Also, how about students and teachers? Number of teachers likely handed out an assignment for their students to watch last night's debate. What are they talking about today? We'll debate that next on Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry, and this is KSL News Radio. Welcome back to Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry. I, I mentioned that yesterday the result of what uh, was dubbed a debate, but was ultimately a train wreck or a dumpster, f- whatever phrase you want to apply to what happened last night, uh, feel free. But what uh, what the result was was that you and I, as Americans, we've been injured. Our country has been injured, and now we need to move into a, a time of healing. We got to get past this because uh, listen, th- the show must go on next week. A week from today, in fact, here in the state of Utah, the two vice presidential candidates will be side by side at the University of Utah debating one another. And then uh, there will be the second presidential debate and then the third. And uh, later on, we we may get into a debate as to whether or not there, in fact, will be a second and third presidential debate. Uh, We'll be speaking with a a political strategist uh, in about a half hour from right now, and I'll put that question to Dave Hansen. Is there any wisdom, is there any scenario in which these these two subsequent presidential debates just simply don't happen? We'll get into that later. But I mentioned the injury, the injury that we have sustained as a country. And that's not hyperbole, all right? Last night... We should have observed uh, strong leadership, clear communication, and a frank presentation of the policies and the views held by those candidates, what they feel the next four years may look like and beyond, and we got absolutely none of that. Our evening was stolen from us in very practical terms. Didn't get to hang out with the kids, didn't get to go off and play softball or exercise or do anything like that because we were glued to the TV looking for leadership. What we find? Absolutely none of that. The Commission on Presidential Debates, uh, that's the organization that hosts and sponsors uh, these deals, uh, these debates. And uh, just this morning, they have put out a statement. I want to read it to you in its entirety. You tell me what you think. The Commission on Presidential Debates sponsors televised debates for the benefit of the American electorate. Last night's debate made clear that additional structure should be added to the format of the remaining debates to ensure a more orderly discussion of the issues. The CPD, the Commission on Presidential Debates, will be carefully considering the changes that it will adopt and will announce those measures shortly. The Commission is grateful to Chris Wallace for the professionalism and skill he brought to last night's debate and intends to ensure that additional tools to maintain order are in place for the remaining debates. What are those remaining debates? Well, of course, you know, there are the two presidential debates and then there is next week's vice presidential debate to take place here. The healing I mentioned is real and there is a real need for it. Later on in the program, I'm going to open up the phone lines. You and I are going to chat at length. I want to get your reaction, your feelings, and specifically, what do you think might be able to improve the the debates? Is there any way to salvage? Is there any way uh, to make sure that these two individuals, the two candidates, President Trump and former Vice President Joe Biden, when they meet next on the debate stage, that somehow the format, somehow the rules, somehow the parameters will be able to uh, rein them in so that you and I, the American electorate, can in fact be benefited. I've heard some suggestions where you give maybe the moderator the ability to turn on and off uh, the microphone. I have heard suggestions where there are booths 
where the candidates will deliver their message from within those booths. Soundproof. Maybe they're not able to hear one another. Or maybe there's a little bit of selectivity there. I've heard extreme uh, suggestions where maybe instead of bringing them together on the same debate stage, they are delivered ahead of time. Uh, Some questions they then record on video. The response to those videos, and you mash it all up, present it uh, similar to the way the conventions worked out. Now, I don't necessarily uh, support any of these measures, but there may be some wisdom therein. We'll have to see. The Debate Commission will very soon uh, be announcing those changes. I'm fascinated uh, and will be following uh, those announcements very, very closely. Uh, another, another piece of information that we should receive very soon is the topicality of next week's vice presidential debate here in the state of Utah. Uh, we should, it's expected, get that uh, at any time. It may come today. Uh, hopefully I don't have to wait until tomorrow. I'd love to get my hands on that today uh, just to see what it is that we may be in store for next week. And now I predict, I predict that Vice President uh, Mike Pence and Kamala Harris, Senator Harris, as they come to the stage next Thursday, I'm sorry, next, uh, when is it, next Wednesday, that uh, the 7th, <clears throat> I predict that there will be an even larger audience than was present for last night's presidential debate, which I, I, I don't yet know the, the whole numbers, uh, but I think it was massive, which adds to my frustration. So many of us Americans uh, were, were kind of cheated out of, <laughs> out of the information we should have gleaned last night. That reality makes the vice presidential debate all the more important. It makes the eyes that will be glued on Utah a week from today uh, all the more uh, important and the decisions that will be made based on that debate. Because I think next week we may have some adults in the room finally. Hmm. 57500 is the Utah Community Credit Union text line. Would you send me a note? Uh, Obviously, I'd like to know how you reacted to last night's debate, but we're going to open up the phone lines for that later on. Right now, what I'd like to hear from you is uh, any of your suggestions you may have uh, for what could be some possible alterations to either the format or the the parameters or even the technology uh, used to present the debate of next week. Uh, Before we we go to break, though, I do need to share with you an observation I made here earlier this morning. And it was as I was pondering who was all watching the presidential debate last night. I I presume you were. I know I was. I was there with my wife. Uh, But how about your children? And if you're a teacher, how about your students? I can remember uh, in 1996, one of the uh, assignments that we were given in school, and in 2000, uh, I, I was in school, and the assignment was very simple. Watch the debate, write down some observations, and come in uh, for social studies class the next day prepared to discuss what was learned in the debate. Well, it was pretty easy, you know, pretty straightforward. Questions were asked, they were answered, there was some back and forth. Uh, it, it was a fine, simpler time. Now... Think about all of the all of the history teachers, all the U.S. history teachers, the government teachers uh, across this great state and the country who yesterday, either via Zoom or in person or however we're teaching these days, uh, said, listen, children, tonight some history is going to be made. Tonight, the candidates for the first time in this elect presidential election cycle will be meeting head to head. One of those two men will become the next leader of the free world leader of this great nation. So, 
to get you involved, to get you informed, so that you're well familiar with this beautiful American process we have. I want you tonight to either with your parents or by yourself or however you might find yourself watching the debate, be glued to it. Watch the full hour and a half as it was scheduled. And then come back tomorrow ready to, ready to report. I have in my hands here one of the assignments that was given by a teacher in Cache County. One of the Cache County School District teachers handed this assignment out. Uh, it, it's divided up into two, two categories. There's the Joe Biden side and the Donald Trump side. Let me just read for you some of these prompts and ask yourself if you were able at all, at all, to answer any of these questions. On the Joe Biden side, list five strong points that were made. List five strong points that were made. What's some high school sophomore going to write in that box? On the Donald Trump side, same question. Five strong points that were made. What's the senior in AP government? What's he he or she going to write in that box? Any questions you have based on Biden's responses? Three questions you have based on Trump's responses? What are you going to write in that box? That's not snarky, and that isn't uh, based in uh, the simple observance or observation, rather, uh, that it was an absolute disaster. And then finally, how about this question? In the space provided below, explain who you think won this debate. Provide specific examples. There were no winners. There were only losers. We got no policy. We got no information. And I sure hope that next week when the vice presidential candidates come together, that it is much better. One of the topics of last night's debate was... Uh, race and violence. Race and violence. I'm a little uncomfortable that they would put those two uh, topics together, uh, but so it was last night that race and violence was discussed. We're going to take a break right now. When we return, uh, we'll be joined by Kamal Ahmad, Coach K, someone who's been appearing on this program for some time now, a man I have come to greatly admire, uh, African-American gentleman. He is going to help us walk through some of what was said by the candidates yesterday and get his reaction to it. Next on Live Mike, I'm Lee Lonsberry. And this is KSL News Radio. Welcome back to Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry. We're continuing our look back at what, you know, I, I can't call it a debate. We are continuing our look back at what transpired last night on the campus of Case Western Reserve University in Cleveland, Ohio, between the two candidates for president of the major parties Donald Trump, current president, as you well know, and former vice president Joe Biden. We had heard ahead of time that Chris Wallace intended to discuss uh, certain topics, right? It was a list of about six topics, and I was critical of that. I was critical in that we, for the most part, I believed, knew exactly where these candidates stood on all of those issues. You know, we had certainly heard Trump praising himself and his administration for its reaction to uh, COVID-19, you know, shutting down the borders. Not letting folks in, doing this and that, ventilators. We know that uh, Joe Biden was critical of that. We know, too, how uh, they view one another's and their own records. Another topic telegraphed by Chris Wallace. And there was another category which Chris Wallace uh, made known, or made it known, rather, that he would be discussing. And it was uh, race and violence in in our cities. Race and violence in our cities. Uh, I was a little uncomfortable uh, with that, just I, I don't know that uh, we need to necessarily combine uh, those two issues. I'm not sure what 
uh, one directly has to do with the other. But nonetheless, uh, that was the topic, and that's how it was presented last night, uh, race and violence in our cities. And there was uh, an exchange which is claiming most of the headlines uh, here this morning and has to do uh, with white supremacy. And a very specific and pointed question asked by Chris Wallace of the president. Here it is. Are you willing tonight to condemn white supremacists and militia groups and to say that they need to stand down and not add to the violence in a number of these cities, as we saw in Kenosha and as we've seen in Portland? The president responded to Chris Wallace's question this way. What do you want to call him? Give me a name. Give me a name. White supremacists and and right proud boys. Stand back and stand by. Okay, so that right there, if you were following any of the coverage after the debate, that is what uh, most have paid attention to. And we now know about these Proud Boys uh, and what this organization is. And, well, the the, the criticism leveled against the president was for uh, using that phrase, stand back and stand by. Don Jr., uh, son of the president, got up afterwards uh, and communicated to some of the some of the talking heads there on the cable news and said, you know, I, I, I bet he probably misspoke. Uh, and I can't imagine him, uh, you know, calling them to arms, anything like that. And well, uh, you know, without hearing any clarification from the president himself, uh, you know, it's hard to know exactly what was in his mind uh, at that moment. Well, uh, just a few moments ago, uh, in fact, uh, just outside the White House, as you can imagine, reporters were peppering the president uh, with, with questions about last night and in particular this issue here. And so here for you is a bit of clarification offered by the president. You can decide for yourself it's, it's, if it's sincere or honest or accurate or not. But he was asked about uh, that exchange with Chris Wallace. And if you heard uh, there inserted during the time for President Trump's response, Joe Biden chimed in and, in fact, is the one that inserted uh, Proud Boys, the, the organization there, into the conversation. Here is President Trump uh, when asked about not condemning the Proud Boys. I don't know who the Proud Boys are. I mean, you'll have to give me a definition because I really don't know who they are. I can only say they have to stand down, let law enforcement do their work, Law enforcement will do the work more and more as people see how bad this radical liberal Democrat movement is and how weak the law enforcement is going to come back stronger and stronger. But again, I don't know who Proud Boys are, but whoever they are, they have to stand down, let law enforcement do their work. Just stand by. Look, law enforcement will do their work. They're going to stand down. They have to stand down. Everybody. They have to say whatever group you're talking about, let law enforcement do the work. You can interpret that however you will. Uh, that was the president's explanation in response to that question. Uh, joining me now on the line is Kamal Ahmad, Coach K, a uh, gentleman, an African-American gentleman who has become a, a great friend of this show. I'm always grateful uh, for his insight and his perspective and his willingness uh, to share that here on this program. Coach K, sir, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. Uh, thank you for having me on. And how are you doing? I, I'm all right. I, I could be better, though. Last night was pretty disappointing, and I'm still trying to get over that. Uh, let me ask you about this exchange in particular. As you heard this last night or have heard it replayed even on this program just now, uh, w- w- what do you believe the attitude of the president to be? It was disappointing. Uh, it was very disappointing. Um, when you're in a leadership position, especially uh, the most powerful and respected leadership position in the world, there comes expectations. And uh, our leader fell short of those expectations, especially when it came to race. Uh, there's 
there's no room to be in the gray area. It's, it's very black and white. And race-related issues, it's very black and white. We need to know exactly where you stand. And yesterday he came across as siding with uh, a group of people who um, who have caught a lot, historically have caused a lot of hurt in our country. Now, it doesn't have to necessarily be that same title, but whether that's the KKK, whether that's Proud Boys, you can't, you can't just hit one part of the extreme with the left and ignore the other extreme with the right, especially when one has plagued our society for decades and decades and decades up into centuries, literally. Is there is there any uh, salvaging this? Is there any way? Is there anything the president could say now uh, to to more clearly and put in black and white terms, so to speak, uh, that he that he does denounce uh, these types of groups, or is it possible that he he doesn't have the belief? He doesn't uh, believe that they deserve denouncing. Well, here's the thing: he had that chance during Charlottesville. The response was, "They're they're very fine people on both sides." an open hate group he had that opportunity then and didn't he had that opportunity last night and didn't he could have immediately clarified that right after the show or during the show I mean they interrupted on the times right he could have clarified himself immediately after he could have clarified he didn't do that it was very clear especially within the African American community it's very clear where he stands when it comes to race I'm just being very upfront sure uh, where does Joe Biden stand? You know, not asking you to speak on behalf of the African American community, but uh, but as we're comparing and contrasting, uh, specifically based on what he said last night, how did Joe Biden fare? Uh, he a lot better when it came to the uh, questions regarding race related issues. Um, a lot better. I mean, he's historically he's done very well with the African American community, and I don't think he has done anything to. And I, and I think he just he. Um, he continued to go along those lines yesterday to build that support. So he, he definitely um, didn't hurt his cause. If anything, I just reinforced it. What was was added division caused in, in our country yesterday? Are, are, are things worse off now, do you believe, than they were 24 hours ago due to uh, the debate of last night? No, I don't think they're worse off. I mean, I think people know, I, I think we've had a good idea we're, 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 People have stood during this uh, during these last few years, and really towards really in the middle of the end of the Obama presidency. I mean, uh, race relations started um, becoming be- becoming a problem and becoming more open. But especially during the past four years, uh, there's been a lot of division uh, that is ab- abnormal for our country. Um, not saying it never existed, but to this extent, um, it's it's troublesome. It's, it, it, it worries me. Um, the direction of our country was. This issue is very likely to come up uh, again in not only the two subsequent presidential debates, but also as the vice presidential candidates uh, come here to Utah to debate one another just a, a week from today. What will you be listening for, sir? Oh, the same thing. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be listening for both of the responses, um, especially when it comes to race-related issues. And, and not just... Um, Attacking one particular group, uh, for example, the who who Trump referred to as the leftist extremist group Antifa, um, but also the other extremist group as well. I have no problem if you attack them both equally. Like I have no problem with that. I have a problem when only one is attacked and not the other. 
Uh, that's the issue I have. And uh, what I'm looking for is which candidate is going to show that true balance. Um, that's the one that I would want leading the country, the one who's going to show no favoritism just because a group might support them. Um, but they're going to hey, extremism is extremism. Whether you support me or you don't, it's extremism, especially when it causes violence uh, within our country. There's just no place for that. And that's what that's what needs to be said. Coach K, we'll let that be the last word. Kamal Ahmad, my friend, thank you, sir. Uh, I look forward to speaking to you again. Thank you for having me on. All righty. We're going to take a quick break here. When we return, there is a question that has been lingering since yesterday, and it is, was the display put on last night by all involved uh, so egregious and so damaging to uh, the, the election process itself that maybe, maybe the subsequent election or the subsequent debates are called off? Is that possible? And what are the campaigns saying right now? What are the campaign managers of each uh, camps? What are they saying to one another right now? We're going to debate that next with uh, former advisor of Orrin Hatch and Mia Love and other uh, politicos that you're aware of. Dave Hansen will be my guest next on Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry, and this is KSL News Radio. Welcome back to Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry. Uh, in the next segment, I'm going to open up the phone phone lines to you. I want to have a lengthy conversation with you. I, I said earlier that we have kind of sustained an injury that last night left us all feeling a little uneasy, maybe a lot uneasy. And I've found over the course of, uh, well, this morning and last night that talking about this and just sharing feelings and all that uh, has been helpful. Uh, it reminds me that, uh, that you know, as I was sitting on my couch last night uh, with my wife, that we're not in this alone, right? And that we all have varied reactions and views and hopes for the future. And, uh, you know, kind of hashing it out is helpful. So let me give you the number now. Uh, I'll repeat it uh, right before we go to break. But 801-575-TALK, 801 Five, five. I look forward to speaking to you. But first, I want to look at this from uh, like a strategic standpoint. There are, as you well know, each of these candidates have armies of campaign worker workers uh, working on their behalf, helping to strategize and make decisions and prepare. Uh, we heard from Chris Christie earlier who gave uh, <laughs> what he believed to be what the president needed to do to emerge from last night's debate successfully. And Chris Christie relevant because he was, in fact, helping the president prepare. And so my question is now, when uh, last night was all said and done and the candidates departed the stage, uh, they returned to either Air Force One or the RV that's crisscrossing, wherever they're traveling, wherever they are able to then sit down with staff and look strategically at how to respond to last night, uh, I have a number of questions. Hopefully uh, someone who can look into that and share some insight is Dave Hansen, a former advisor to Orrin Hatch and Mia Love, former Republican Party chairman here in the state. Uh, Dave Hansen joins me now. Dave, sir, how are you? I'm, I'm doing just fine. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, you, you watched the debate last night? Uh, I did. I did. I, I, w- I would be interested to know how many people dropped off after the first 15 minutes, half hour or hour from that debate last night, because to go the whole hour and a half was painful. A- absolutely. I had that same question myself and that same impulse myself. I was about 10, 15 minutes in thinking, you know, I wish I could just walk away from that. But, uh, you know, I got a unique job and we've got to kind of hash through the issues here <laughs> today. True. So uh, it was 90 minutes plus that I was enduring that. L- let me ask you, uh, you heard me set this question up. What? Uh, l- let's start on, on the Trump side. So Trump uh, departs the stage in terms of strategy and moving forward. What are those conversations like on the campaign side? 
Well, I, I, I it's hard. You know, I can't speak for the campaign, but sure. it, but the thing about it is, Donald Trump has a great story to tell. I mean, he has had great success uh, uh, in taxes. Great success on uh, reducing government regulations, Supreme Court nominations, foreign policy didn't even come up, I don't think, uh, really, um, with the, the peace agreement uh, uh, with, the, with the countries in the Middle East not and a, Israel. Not a single mention of that. Not a single mention. No, none of that stuff. I, I would be looking at it and saying, we need to get back to our message. You know, there's two parts of a debate. There's the substance and the style. Uh, on the substance, Donald Trump is great. On the style, I thought he was awful last night. To be honest with you. Did, did now, the did the, sti- did the style no, you described say, that overshadow the, the substance entirely? Uh, I think I think to a great degree it did because I you know if you ask people what was said in the debate, they can't remember. Yeah, I mean they were just uh, trying to trying to decipher between what uh, they were. Talking over right. each other about and maybe picking their jaw. So, up I mean, people, you know, people want, you know, when they want a president, they want a person who's competent. They want somebody in command, somebody who is knowledgeable, and they want somebody who is gracious also. And I don't think either one of those guys showed any graciousness last night. It was like two four-year-olds being uh, babysat by a five-year-old. Yeah. Uh, let, let's move. Uh, let's move over to the the Joe Biden side. So uh, the debate wraps up last night. If you can call it a debate, uh, he returns to his camp. What's that conversation like? I think it's. Uh, I think to a certain degree, it's the same thing. We need to get back to uh, 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 the, the 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 substance and get away from uh, uh, be, becoming uh, basically like Donald Trump was, uh, and that is talking over using. Uh, phrases that shouldn't have been used, calling the president the clown, never goes over well with the public, uh, whether they support the president or not. Uh, uh, telling the president to shut up, man, uh, stupid. I mean, it was stupid. Uh, the other thing is uh, uh, he had – Biden has still a question out there about you know, how much in control he is. And and his competency for the job. I don't think that they've cleared that up yet. So I think that they need to look at how to how to do that and how to do that in the next debate. Is, is there any wisdom or scenario that be that or any any thoughts, any strategy to uh, the Biden camp somehow moving away from uh, even you know participating in the next two presidential debates? Uh, I, if, if they if they do, that would be. A, that would be wonderful for Trump. I think the American public, they, even though they disliked uh, last night's debate, they still expect the candidates to debate. And if somebody pulls out, I think that they make a huge mistake. Uh, it looks like, okay, we, we, we don't want to talk to the American people because that's what it's viewed as. The debate is a conversation with the American people, even though people aren't necessarily the ones asking the questions. Uh, so, they have to go through, and I think that the, both of them have to figure out how do we act more civil to get our message across and remembered. Both of them, I think, have made made huge mistakes. Uh, uh, one, uh, Biden with uh, Antifa, uh, he did not come out against Antifa. He called it something like a 
not an organization, but sometimes a thought process. Yeah, an ideology. And, and Trump uh, still needs to, to get away from the Proud Boys and uh, uh, the white extremists, and, the, uh, and he needs to do it clearly and emphatically. Uh, Dave Hansen, we'll have to leave it at that. Thank you so much for this conversation. Really good insight there. Dave Hansen, my guest, former Republican Party chairman here in the state and advisor to Orrin Hatch and Mia Love and others. Uh, Dave, always grateful to you for your wisdom. Well, I appreciate that. I hope it was valuable to you. Absolutely. Thank you. Yep. We're going to take a break now, but before we go, I want to invite you to pick up the phone and give me a call. I want to talk to you about your reaction to last night's debate, quote-unquote debate, right? The number, 801-575-8255, 801-575-TALK. You are live on air next here on Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry, and this is KSL News Radio. All right. So for the past hour, we have walked through a number of the angles. We have looked at the president's uh, the president's comments about these proud boys and white supremacy. We have talked about how, of course, uh, what took place last night cannot be called a debate, but rather uh, an assemblage of chaos. And I uh, made the assertion that you and I as Americans, we've been injured. We've been injured. We walked into last night's debate expecting something, and we got something uh, far, uh, far subpar, <laughs> to put it uh, very mildly. What we got last night was a disaster. It was an insult. It was an offense to, uh, to, to this democracy and to this election process. And it was perpetrated uh, by the two frontrunners in the race to ascend to the highest office in the land. Now, I did get a text message uh, earlier today, and it, it reads this way. It says, let's not fall into a false equivalency error here. One side was much more egregious in bad behavior than the other. I, I do not disagree. President Trump's uh, behavior last night uh, was, was terrible. All right, it was immature. It wasn't helpful. It wasn't communicative. And it certainly impacted the ability uh, for the debate to be properly moderated and also for uh, his opponent to uh, express uh, anything (laughs) resembling a policy position. Now, while he may have borne uh, most of the blame, uh, the other two characters in last night's play uh, were not blameless themselves. Joe Biden uh, took the bait on a number of fronts and descended to the uh, the level of name calling that we have heard over and over. Uh, and as you look to uh, Chris Wallace, who wielded immense power last night, even before the debate, the, the format was also uh, one aspect which probably lent itself to uh, the descent into uh, madness and chaos that we observed last night. A single question uh, to kick off the 15-minute the uh, topic and then opening up for back-and-forth discussion. Uh, that, come on, we, we knew the two individuals involved here, and you think that there's going to be a, a civil back-and-forth? Uh, the, the wonderful example set, by uh, Spencer Cox and Chris Peterson in the debate that preceded the presidential debate. You think we were going to get something like that from Donald Trump and Joe Biden? Not a chance. Not a chance. I sure hope uh, that what was the outcome of last night was uh, not the goal and the objective uh, when creating those rules. Anyway, uh, I have stated that we have been injured, that you and I as Americans have sustained an injury, and it's time now to heal because, uh, you know, regardless of how bad it was last night, the show must go on. Uh, This election marches forward. The candidates are not changing. 
either Donald Trump or Joe Biden will be the next president of the United States. And regardless of what happened last night, we have to find a way to salvage that. And we have to get away. Uh, we have to find a way, rather, uh, to somehow restore our faith in this process uh, if we're not able to have faith in the candidates themselves. How do we do that? Uh, well, we've got to talk about it. Let's open the phone lines now. I want to invite you to jump on as well. 801 575 8255. We're going to leave the phone lines open here and probably spill over into the two o'clock hour. I'm looking forward to chatting with you. We're going to start by speaking with John in Ogden. John, sir, how are you? Oh, I've been better. We still <laughs> last night. You know, and after listening to just the representatives just before me, man, it's it's crazy the norms we have got away from. Um it, I don't I don't fault Joe Biden. He did look like he was trying, but what the president did, what he said is is disturbing. And then you're just your last guy you talked to says we don't know about Biden's faculties. That's a conspiracy theory put out there. What's being pushed out there is crazy, mind-boggling stuff. If we don't get back to normal order, to be able to have a debate where you talk and I talk and we debate it, not yell and scream at one. I, I, sorry, dude, but I don't know how Joe Biden kept his cool last night and just said the things he did. He I, I thought that was very statesman to be like okay i mean to say shut up i was saying that 20 minutes like whoa before you know um the it's just it was hard you know joe biden did fall into some i do say that but that from a sitting president who had no policies no empathy for the people that are dying out there no plan for the pandemic nothing for race and then you're gonna Take the easiest question ever thrown to any politician and say, uh, I don't know who that is, pretty much. What do you want me to say? It's just like when he said, I don't know who David Duke is. Well, you know he does. It's disturbing to me. And you know what? Everybody out there that thinks Joe Biden has mental faculty problems, Joe Biden has stuttered from a, has suffered from a stuttering problem since he was a child, yeah. which is sometimes why he struggles getting words out. Now, if you don't put that out there in the public and you just tell all these people, oh, look at his faculties are bad. We'll show these couple clips. Look at the president. I'm yeah. sorry, but it looked like his Adderall was out of hand last night. Like, dude, be quiet. Let's uh, Chris Wallace said, do you want to change places? I've, I've watched a lot of debates, man, a lot of presidential debates. I've never heard a moderator say, you want to change places yeah. with me. John, John, thank you so much. Uh, thanks for calling in. Thanks for your views on that. Uh, I will say we have discussed at great length uh, the, the, the stutter that Joe Biden suffered from early in life and continues to battle today. And some of those, some, some of the observations that have been made about his mental faculties, I wouldn't quite put them in the category of conspiracy theory. And I think that there was uh, an effort by Donald Trump uh, to exacerbate some of uh, some of that last night. And I think that some of the aggression shown uh, and the and the and the quick movements and the interrupting and the going over time. I think much of that and the topicality, the things that Donald Trump was saying. I think much of that was at least initially designed uh, to provoke some sort of manifestation of a shortcoming in the mental faculties of Joe Biden. And if there was a victor last night that was on that debate stage, it was likely Joe Biden in that he showed that in the face of all of that aggression and chaos, that he was able to maintain his faculties and continue on. Sure, he got a little bit frustrated. Sure, he called a few names. Uh, but 
uh, he did uh, maintain his position in the fight. Uh, again, the name calling, that's no good. Uh, much of what was done, uh, not so great. But uh, he did, uh, he did at least remain in the fight. Uh, next up, Keith from Park City has some suggestions on how to, uh, on how to adjust the debate rules. Keith, how are you? Good, thanks. How are you doing? I'm all, I'm all right. I've been better. You know, last night leaving me a little shook. Uh, but uh, we're looking forward. Uh, we're trying to get this sorted out. The The Presidential Debate Commission today uh, announced that they would be adjusting the parameters of the debates uh, going forward. We don't yet know those specifics. Do you have any suggestions? Well, obviously, I mean, everybody's talking about the same thing. You have to be able to shut the mics off. You know, you can't let Donald Trump just ramble on and inter- interfere and, and, you know, bully um, you know, Biden when he's trying to speak. Um, so, I, I mean, Trump probably won't agree to that, but, that, you know, too bad. He's got to be able to shut him off. He's, it doesn't do any, anybody any good sit and listen to, to Donald Trump just spew his lies while Biden is trying to answer the question. How about this hypothetical? Let's say that that is exactly the, the parameter put in place by the debate commission. You, of course, do need the, the two parties to agree, or at least the two camps, to agree to those rules. Should President Trump not agree to those rules, uh, do, do, who blinks? Do we call off the debate, or does the debate commission uh, back off and allow them to go at each other the way they did last night? No, I, I think I think they need to call his bluff, you know, and, and uh, make it public that Trump is not agreeing to shutting off the mics, and therefore the uh, debate has been canceled. Um, you know, and obviously, you know, shutting off the mics is, is not to Trump's advantage because he sits there and tries to talk over people. I mean, and you can't fact check every two seconds because right. you've know, you got ten lies and in, in, in ten lies in thirty seconds. Yeah, it's a so, fast movement. You know, you got to do it. You got you got to shut off the mics. Um, and, you know, it's it's just the way, you know, we've had many, many presidential debates, vice presidential debates that have gone on fine. Um, Biden's in, been in debates before. This is the one and only time when we've had to introduce these type of guidelines, and it's because Donald Trump. Can you imagine what he's like when he's negotiating treaties and policies with other world leaders? Uh, Keith, I mean, I, this is scary. Yeah, I got to let you go. We got to get to a newscast here, but uh, we're going to leave the phone lines open. Keith, again, thank you, uh, John, as well. Uh, Randy, Ferris, Marina, you're all on the line. I beg you to hang on. After the news break, we're going to open the phone lines again. If you'd like to get on the horn with me here, share your views on what took place last night, 801-575-8255, 801 575 Talk. Your calls live after the news here on KSL News Radio. Welcome back. Here, this will be our final segment discussing the debate of last night or debacle or whatever you want to call it. Uh, and when it is all said and done, uh, we're moving on. After this segment, we're going to move on. We've got a few lawmakers. We'll ask them their reaction. Uh, but after today's show is over, we're looking forward, not backward. Next week, uh, we will be uh, enjoying, hopefully, the vice presidential debate right here. It's a home game. At the University of Utah, uh, Joe Biden, Kamala Harris will be here. Uh, they will debate one another. And then, uh, you know, if all remains according to schedule, there will be two more presidential debates. I hope that something changes between now and then, either changes in the structure of the debate or in the minds of these two candidates so that we can, as Americans, be treated to something that resembles a respectful debate, one that includes substance and policy and position and a vision for what may be the next four years. Wouldn't that be great? Is that too much to ask uh, for a debate? No, okay. 
Uh, all right, but we will. Uh, we're going to return to the phones here, uh, get some more reaction on what happened last night, and maybe how to make things better in the uh, the future. Going back to the phones, uh, Randy. I'm grateful for Randy for calling. In the note here says that there may be some positives of last night. Uh, Randy, first, thanks for calling, and tell us about these positives you observed. Yeah, thanks for letting me uh, let me talk about this. Yeah, yeah the the uh, I I like you thought it was extremely ugly in general, but. This morning I got up, I started thinking about it, I said, i got to find some positives sure. that came out of that. And there's a couple of things that I noticed. Out of Biden, um, and this was early on, but Biden emphatically took charge of the Democratic Party, which I thought was just so great for him to do. He said, I am the Democratic Party. And it was so great to hear from that because, you know, that's one of the, one of the questions I've been having for a long time is, is he really in control or is this, a, is this the far left that's just putting his head up there? to kind of to be the headpiece, but they're going to be running it from behind. And so I thought that was great to hear from him. Of course, I also enjoyed his, his little snip back at, at uh, Donald Trump about uh, quit your yapping. That was that was pretty good, too, because that's <laughs> kind of how he sounded. Yeah, and I think he had one line that was neat, too. He said, uh, why don't you just shush? I think that was one. Or why don't you just shush, man? Uh, that was yeah. a funny one. Yeah. Uh, well, but good. Yeah, the, and then I was thinking about Trump, you know, and I had such a hard time finding a really positive thing. He missed so many good opportunities to explain good things that he has done. But one of the one of the ones that I thought was really positive, it didn't come exactly from Trump. It actually came from Chris Wallace and from Biden, but it's for Trump. And that is Chris Wallace asked a question pretty, pretty late uh, talking about uh, one of the things he said. I don't remember the question, but one of the things he said is that is that uh, Obama's first three years had more job growth than Trump's first three years. And you combine that with the fact that Biden kept pushing that, that he gave Trump, that, that Obama and Biden gave Trump a solid economy. That's what he kept saying. You combine those two together and you realize, well, Obama's, Obama raised all those jobs from the, the lowest point in the recession. I mean, that's when he took over was mm-hmm. at, the, at the, the bottom of the recession. And so for him to raise all those jobs wasn't really all that impressive. But to have Trump take over a solid economy and still increase jobs the way he did – really shows some great leadership out of Trump as far as job growth goes. And I think people should recognize that yeah, uh, Randy, as a really I, solid thing. I, I admire that. Th- thank you for that. That is uh, looking for the positive. Uh, I had a, a snarky positive, and it is that uh, all this nonsense uh, likely brought us all together. I think folks on both sides of the aisle are looking at what happened last night uh, and are in our uproar. And uh, unity is unity, and, and maybe that brought us together. Uh, moving on, uh, we have um, uh, Ferris on the line from Salt Lake. Ferris, uh, how do you respond to last night? Hey, thanks for letting me on. You know, I don't understand why everybody's so surprised. Um, our elected officials are merely a representation of us, the people that elected them. Our country right now is in a lot of disarray. We can see that by the protest turned riot. Maybe this is the new norm. You know what, Ferris? What you say, unfortunately, uh, makes a lot of sense. Uh, they, they are, you know, in terms of candidates, they, they what emerges there in a candidate uh, is often a reflection uh, of the populace they, they represent or seek to represent. And I, I sure hope that you're wrong, uh, but it makes a lot of sense. I sure hope that what we saw on the stage last night was not a reflection of what we are, uh, but rather uh, a manifestation of what we should reject. I, I sure hope uh, that you're not right, but there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of evidence and a lot of good reason uh, to say that you may be. Uh, Myrna from Cottonwood Heights, uh, how are you? I watched it like a train wreck. It's something that's got your attention. You don't want to look at it, but you can't look away. Yeah. And 
it was so so dismissive from President or Vice President Biden. I mean, he held his cool better than I could have ever done. And the only things that he ever did, did uh, that was derogatory was tell him to hush up and called him a clown. Right. And I could have called him a lot worse than that. <laughs> and then when Trump says, well, he made Biden look weak. No, he made himself look stupid. Let me ask you that this there was a tactic used by Joe Biden where he would uh, instead of speaking either to Chris Wallace or across the stage to Donald Trump, he would turn and speak directly into the camera. Do you think that was an effective move? Well, it's the best he could do under the circumstances. You know, the only time he really lost his cool was when Trump started attacking his sons, both of them, and wouldn't stop. I mean, he was still attacking them clear to the end of the segment. Yeah, that was really something. When, when that, uh, when uh, Joe Biden was talking about uh, his son, Bo Biden's military record, and, and Trump just comes back at him and then starts talking about Hunter's uh, drug problems. I'll tell you what, I, you know, I don't, I don't have adult sons. Uh, I, I've only been a parent for a short time, but uh, I could feel, uh, I could feel the the blood boiling in uh, Joe Biden, and in that moment. I do have to admit, I admire the restraint he exercised there because, uh, you know, it may have required uh, much more than a lectern on a debate stage to keep me from going after someone talking about my kids uh, like that. Uh, Admirable thing. Uh, Moving on, uh, Bob in Roy is looking back to 2016, says there ought to be some lessons we learned back then. Bob, what do you think? Well, I don't see why a lot of people are surprised at how the debate when I was rather disgusted, but that's what I expected to happen. Did, did you expect uh, it to be this bad? Did you expect it to be uh, such a debacle that even as, you know, folks in my business and elsewhere, as we try to, like, comb through these words, it was nearly impossible for me to extract even one policy position. Did you expect it to be this bad? Well, I expected it from Trump, but I, I'm not a Trump fan or a Biden fan, but I will say I give Biden respect for being able to stand up against him and come back with things. I remember in 16, every, all the politicians just kind of laid down and died. They didn't know what to say. Yeah, no, It was, uh, you know, just, everybody seemed weak back then. And so I was kind of wondering how Biden was going to respond. And uh, as far as the two go, I, I think he seems more presidential than our president, you know what I mean? Yeah, tough to argue with that. Uh, Bob, thank you for your call. Thank you for the conversations we've had throughout this past half hour. Uh, We're going to move on now. And uh, members of Congress, members of a a China task force, we've been speaking uh, for some time about the work of the China task force, which looks at some of the uh, potential and perceived and real threats that China poses to the United States. Well, uh, that task force uh, has concluded its work. It has put together a report uh, which includes observations and recommendations on how the United States can best move forward. Uh, Two of Utah's representatives, John Curtis and Chris Stewart, both members of that task force, will join us next on Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry, and this is KSL News Radio.